Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Matt. He is the co-founder of Uplaunch, and that is a software company that focuses on really helping you launch your fitness business. So thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and really kind of the backstory on how this came to be? Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me take up some time and, uh, and chat about what we're up to. It's uh, super Absolutely. cool. So, so yeah. So, um, so my name is Matt Verlack, co-founder and CEO of Uplaunch. Um, we've been in business. I guess the idea came about probably about four years ago. I think we've been taking it seriously and actually writing software and doing our thing for about two years now. Cool. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a neat story how it all got started. Um, so my co-founder Jake and I were actually both career firefighters um, just outside Washington D.C. in Virginia, and um, like didn't really have much of a software background. I'd done a little mediocre web design, you know, here and there, um, but nothing nothing really to write home about. And uh, so you know, Jake went and opened up a CrossFit gym in the town where he lives in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and you know immediately he was kind of hit with a struggle, you know, as firefighters, we work 24 hour long shifts. Um, and so like, yeah, he had a couple of coaches to teach the classes at the gym and stuff like that. But from the marketing, like business operations, lead nurturing, all those kind of workflows, he was still the guy who was handling all that stuff. And so he was really struggling on figuring out how to make sure the ball didn't get dropped while he was fully engaged doing an entirely different career for 24 hours at a time. Um, it, there was a big le- learning curve, I'm assuming, right, from going kind of, you know, you have this very set skills, and then you're right. going into something, com- I don't know if, obviously, he had some background in fitness and stuff like that, and interest, but not just that, but the actual marketing side of it, where, you know, you're starting to touch a lot of tech things and stuff like that, where you don't necessarily deal with a lot when you're a firefighter. Totally. Yeah. And um, yeah, he had, so he had a, a pretty strong like health and wellness background. He's got all his, you know, trainer certifications and all that good stuff. So, I mean, he was super squared away there. Um, and he, he's a, like a natural marketer, you know, he's got like good charisma. You can build good relationships with people, but, but taking that and actually scaling it into a, into a repeatable strategy and backing it up with technology is a different animal, you know? And so um, <clears throat> he kind of knew I was a closet nerd. So he kind of hit me up and you know, that's what we did in the fire department. We just help each other. So it's like, yeah. Hey man, help me, help me figure this gym stuff out. So like, yeah, cool. And so, you know, it was interesting because we first started implementing marketing automation because that's really the crux of our platform or CRM and a marketing automation platform. Um, we initially started implementing it like any other business owner, you know, and we just picked a platform that was out there and we wrote some emails and put together some strategies and we had a few fumbles, but like overall we, we hit on some stuff that really, really worked. Um, and, you know, it, we, I remember specifically like the, the big inflection point for us because we were at the firehouse and he showed me his phone and he was like, dude, who is this lady? I don't know her. And then it like clicked in his head and he's like, she replied to an email that we sent to her automatically. This really works. This is sweet. I mean, so, so when I say like, we really didn't have a background in this, I mean, like we really didn't have a background in this, you know? And so, so like, okay, cool. We figured that out for his gym. Everything was legit. And being entrepreneurial minded people, our next move was like, Hey, I wonder if this will work for other gyms. So we started trying to replicate the strategies that we had for other gyms and like, Hey, cool. It worked for them too. But the, um, implementation was really, really, uh, arduous. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, cause all these tools that were out there, they're built for like, 
you know, Luis is going to go set up marketing automation for Luis's right. company. You're going to write your emails and you're going to do your thing. And so like we had like a 200 point checklist of how we had to onboard another gym and it was just like insane. It was, you know, not sustainable. Right. And so, ah, oh, man, we probably hacked at it for like a year with other stuff that was kind of out there in the space and nothing worked. And so I said, all right, well, I think this is a good idea that has, you know, can potentially have some good traction. So we're going to go build it ourselves and, and build the right tool for the job because like it was interesting. And, and this was a, a good conversation about monetizing an idea. Like we, we sold like one small automation. It was like a proof of concept. We gave away the content on a podcast and then we sold it and, and we sold like 80 of them. And I, I mean, it was like me sitting at the table, like manually figuring all this stuff out. It was like a, a pain, but the, the point was like that, number one, proved that people wanted it. And then we pre-sold them into a product that basically didn't exist yet. Um, and so like, I think it's an interesting conversation for especially people who are like early stage and trying to validate an idea. Like everyone will tell you they love what you're doing and like pat you on the back, but like credit cards are nothing, man, <laughs> you know? And so like, you got to get the card, you got to, the people will really vote with their wallets. And so that was one of the first things. And like, we kind of accidentally did it really well. Um, which was, we just had the presale and we knew like, okay, we got 60 gyms to commit that they wanted this product. Well, okay. It's probably going to be worth it to go build it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like we didn't write a single line of code until we had the presales locked. So, right. um, so that was kind of interesting. And then, uh, I don't know, we'll pause there. I mean, what do you think we should dive in on, man? What was the biggest challenge when actually trying to figure out how to put it together? I mean, you, you had the product sold already, but you didn't actually have it yet. Right. So was it finding the right developer? Was it finding the right team? Um, did you guys attempt at all to try and build it yourselves, you know, and, and kind of teach yourselves how to code and stuff like that? Or did you just decide like, we're not even going to try to do this ourselves and pass it on to someone that actually knows what they're doing? Yes. This is a good question. So, um, so chronologically, right, we, we made the pre-sales and like that initial foray after the pre-sales was still, we were going to build it on someone else's platform. And so like we did that and we actually got to market in that way. It's like, I didn't want to become a software company. I literally right. told someone I was ringing, I was like, I don't want to become a software company. Like, but I believe in this. I will become one if I have to, <laughs> you know? And so like we built on this other solution, worked all right for a little while, but it still wasn't really hitting the market. A lot of churn. I think we were left with like maybe 15 or 20 gyms that kind of stuck it out because they believed in what we believed in as far as the vision goes. Mm-hmm. And that was the point where I said, all right, we got to build this ourselves. Um, so I, um, I went to like software bootcamp, like code, code bootcamp, um, said like, you know, if this isn't going to work, I at least want it to be my fault, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I can fix it instead of having to build on someone else's platform and then it still doesn't work. And I still got to take all the blame anyway, because yeah. we're the face of it. So, um, so I went to a software boot camp. Um, it's called the Firehose Project. Ironically enough, uh, I didn't just pick it because of the name. I promise. But um, super legit program. I picked it because I had one-on-one mentoring, um, and so I actually worked with um, really like super solid senior engineer who mentored us. And then I found a really really smart uh, classmate who I met in office hours, and I was asking a question about some front end stuff. And now fast forward, he's our CTO. So it was kind of really cool that like. And his name is also Matt, which is confusing. Yeah. But um, so, so we, you know, we literally met in like a Zoom meeting like this one and just like jived really, really well. And, you know, like I thought I was like squared away and then he just came in and just like dropped a bomb on me. He's just like a hundred times better than I was yeah. at, at coding. And 
just really started like taking the vision and making it come to life. And that was, that was what we needed, you know? So there was, I think he was number four, I think five, number five on the team. Um, Cause it's like, it's interesting as a software platform, we were like late spinning up our engineering side because we were initially not a software company, you know? Right, so, right. but yeah, he came in and we, he and I just built the whole MVP, just the two of us and um, just kind of took it from there, man. That's awesome. Now, as far as the actual product itself, I, like you mentioned that you, obviously you built this out and now there's everything that people need in there. Um, on the website, there are a couple of logos of some very well-known companies like Zapier and Facebook and stuff like that. And obviously you don't have those, um, or maybe I'm not entirely sure that I guess that's a question. Is there anything that isn't on there that needs to be integrated into it, like Zapier and stuff like that, or that are things that people can use to make sure. it a little more for them or is everything that's on there is everything going to take care of everything that everyone needs? Yeah, it's a great question, man. So um, there's a couple of, of integration points that we have, right? So we are really, we've really built the software around what I call the central hub philosophy, right? Because there are certain, and this is true of any, any space, you know, we work in the fitness space right now and for the foreseeable future, but it's true of any vertical. Like there's a couple of other pretty basic, like, relatively mandatory types of software platforms that our target customer uses. You know, like if you go to a gym, they have a billing platform to take your money every month. They probably have a way to track how many times you show up. They may offer some software about like, you know, tracking your performance in the gym, how much you lift, that kind of stuff. So um, when we talk about the central hub, like the mission of our software platform is basically to be a one stop end to end view for anything that has to do with how you're communicating with, another human being through your business, right? So whether it's a lead or a client or whatever. Um, and so part of our integration strategy as that central hub is to integrate with these other platforms like billing platforms, for instance, is a good one mm -hmm. and be able to pull in data and number one, display it on the contact record inside of Uplaunch and then also be able to take action on it, right? So like it really just makes our strategies more powerful. You know, if you integrate a billing platform, now we know how much money you've spent at the gym. So now we can segment people according to lifetime value, or now we know, Hey, this person has not swiped their card in two weeks. So we should go take a specific action. So that's kind of what we're, we move towards as the, like the central hub part of the integrations. And then the flip side of that, which is the, I guess the question you asked is, are there other things that people need to integrate that we don't do? And so we, we kind of take the approach of like build basic and integrate advanced, you know, like scheduling is a good example. We've got a native scheduler. They can self schedule appointments at the gyms, but there are some restrictions on the one that we've built. So then we have an integration with acuity scheduling. Um, if they want to do more complex scheduling needs that they can get an acuity account and pull that stuff in. So we make sure we have enough to get them going on the right foot. Like, our bread and butter is obviously our content and the marketing strategies that in business logic that go along with it. So like, you know, we, like, like Boeing said, don't outsource your wings, you know, like that kind of stuff will always be native to us. Right. But um, you know, like scheduling is something we offer it. We're open to integration partners. We have integration partners with web design uh, firms and stuff like that. Like the Facebook one, we have like an integration to set up the Facebook pixel super easily, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of try to, pull in whatever we need to do to bridge the gap. That's really cool. And the, the main reason I asked that is because essentially like, does the, does the name have anything to do with brand new gyms that want to launch? Um, I'd love to say that it was some brilliant branding play like that, but no, honestly, um, it's not, uh, it's interesting. Like our most successful clients are not brand new gyms at all. Honestly, they're, 
they're generally like gyms that are not struggling, you know, like yeah. most new gyms, like we work primarily with like independently owned and operated gyms, a lot of CrossFit gyms. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of them will start off with like all in one type software that'll just like get them going. They're worried about like getting equipment, getting their first 50 or 60 or 70 members, hiring their first and second coach, you know, and like, that's not really our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is kind of a little bit more mature of a business, at least at the point we're at now where now they've got leads and they maybe have are looking for a system to manage them and they're realizing that without proper business systems they're leaving money on the table and they want to be able to execute on that better to continue to grow so like usually gyms that have their feet on their ground are kind of more our style okay and so yeah that's the reason i asked because essentially some of these gyms that have been around for a while like they'll already have systems in place so you not being able to integrate with some of the tools that may they may already be using would cause a little bit of friction when deciding, you know, do we want to bring on board this new tool that we essentially have to migrate everything onto. And that's just going to be a lot of time consumption on their end trying to figure everything out. But I did notice that you also have a setup fee um, for, you know, your clients. And, And that brings me to the next question essentially, which is how did you figure out how to price the product? Um, that's an interesting one. Um, because you, know, you only have, you only have one pricing. Um, yeah, list. we only have one right. and it, and we're pretty like set on it. Like we don't, we don't discount the monthly fee. It's one pricing package. Um, I've always been a very like straight shooter, transparent kind of guy. And I, I always kind of appreciated that in the businesses that I dealt with and you know, maybe to a fault, we'll see how time goes. But like, I really just wanted it to be easy to understand where it's like, this is what we provide. This is how much it costs. And like, we, we run an extremely and credit to my co-founder Jake for this. Cause he, he heads up business development. Like we run an extremely honest sales process. Like we don't do scarcity tactics. Like we don't do high pressure sales or like relentless follow-up, you know, or anything like that. Like when we follow up, but the point is like, we're not scared to tell someone, Hey, like you might want to go get a business coach before you buy this, or Hey, you might not be a good fit for us because your business model is X, Y, Z. And it works better if you're one, two, three. Um, and I think people do appreciate that, you know? Um, and it, and it kind of, I think buys you a little credibility too, because at the end of the day, for most of these gyms, we're the most expensive piece of software that they pay for. Um, and so there, there has to be demonstrable ROI on that. Um, and for a lot of them, it it actually results in a shift in the way that they do business, you know, so it's not just something to make their existing workflow better, but it may be something to actually introduce a new or improved workflow, um, you know, into their, into their business. So the, the pricing to answer your question directly, I don't have like some like magic unlock on how we arrived at the price. I mean, some of it's obviously margin driven to begin with. We were lower priced when we first started. And I think that was just a common first time founder mistake that you kind of undervalue what you're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, we had played with the business model a little bit as we kind of get, we're getting our feet on the ground and found that this is kind of the the sweet spot on the price because, you know, having a, like, you don't want to be in the race to the bottom is really where I'm at. Like I'd rather charge more and have some people tell me it's too expensive. Um, and be able to make enough money to grow the business with a smaller client base so that way I can provide exemplary service to that, that smaller group. And so it's, I think it's just a difference between like metrics that actually move the needle and vanity metrics that everyone gets like pumped up about it. It's like, how many employees do you have? Like, who cares? You know, like, can you, can you deliver great value for your clients? That's cool. Like how many clients do you have? 
like that's not a number. I mean, you look at revenue or profit margin, um, valuation of the business, like those are numbers from a SaaS company standpoint that makes sense. Um, so, you know, for me, it's not a, not a, not a volume play. It's, I'd rather just provide a ton of value at a price point that allows me to do so. Very cool. And what has been, and it's okay to get, you know, let, let the ego talk on this one for a little bit, but what's been the biggest accomplishment, um, for yourself and for the company throughout this journey? Sure. Um, <clears throat> egos, I don't have too much of that. Um, so I think the biggest accomplishment for the company, um, aside from like the, the fact that we're legitimately like positive, positively impacting the lives of small business owners, which I love. Um, I love looking at the team, you know, like as the leader of the company, being able to like sit back and say, this thing that started as a side project is providing like legitimate full-time employment with a high degree of job satisfaction for people. I mean, we have nine people now and we're getting ready to make hires number 10 and 11. And like, that's not massive. It's not big, but it's not nothing, you know? And so like, it's cool just to like hear the, hear our employees. Um, I hate that word hear our team members, like just tell us to like, Hey, I was doing this other job and I really didn't like it because of X, Y, Z. And here's how up launch is different because it has, you know, a positive and a healthy culture and we're doing work that actually matters and we're not being micromanaged. Like we're very, we're like we're real hard on culture um, in a good way. And so, so that, I think that's been the biggest like success or biggest thing that I'm proud of aside from helping our users and our, our clients is just seeing my team grow and constantly like rise to the challenge and just do amazing work. Very cool. I love that answer. And as far as essentially, <laughs> this one might be hard to answer. Um, it's all good. Fire away, man. I'm not scared. <laughs> what's, what's, what's something that you're not very good at and that you are constantly trying to improve and maybe you, you keep finding yourself, you know, failing at it. Oh, that's an easy one to answer. Um, so I, I could talk all night about that, honestly. Um, I'm so tough on myself sometimes, but so there's a couple. So, um, I guess from a product standpoint, like our, I'm a, I firmly believe that our value proposition is clear and that the market is reinforcing that for us, that they get value out of what we're doing. But um, like, you know how you divide a market right into your, like your early adopters and your mainstream market and your, you know, people who lag behind and so on and so forth. Like right now we've focused a lot more building this product on the functionality, like to make sure it does all the things um, and it does all the things well, but it's not like awesome to use. Like, you know, you've probably used a lot of software in your time. Like there's software where you go in and you go through onboarding and you're like, man, that was the bomb. Like that was, yeah. I didn't even feel like I was working. Um, and so really like, that's one thing that as a company we have not executed well on yet is putting form over function. And that's our, like our, one of our, probably our biggest annual initiative for 2019 is to stand up a stronger front end engineering team and basically rebuild the user experience. Like the bones of the application that we built bringing this thing up from nothing are great. Like the, the email send, the text messages go out, the logic is there, the, the content is solid. I just want to make it more fun and like delightful for people to use. And so right. I think that's one thing that we've not yet achieved our full potential on. Um, and I'll give you another one that is interesting um, because it snuck up on me is hiring. Um, like I've gotten lucky. I, we have an amazing team. I wish I could attribute that to some like groundbreaking hiring process that I have, but I really don't. I'm just lucky and we have, you know, we're great, you know, blessed to have wonderful personal networks where we can tap into the right people. But like, 
that it hasn't been a very structured process yet, you know? And so as we continue to grow, that's something that I'm putting a lot of focus on personally is to try to dial in this hiring process to make sure that the, the people we bring in who aren't from our personal network will still, you know, personify the culture that we've worked so hard to build and the, the values that we care about. And so like as a founder that snuck up on me because I feel like yesterday I'm trying to figure out like, can I quit the fire department? Can I afford it? And today yeah. I'm like running a hiring process. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like I'm prepared for this at all. <laughs> so, uh, so that was cool. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things that people yeah. is essentially, it's just, you know, the, the first person you bring on, it's such a new experience that yeah. not a lot of people get to have. <clears throat> it's something that you sometimes don't even think about until you, you, you're that, that point where I can't, take any more work by myself like I literally sure. can't do anything else right so you have to bring someone on board and it, it could be that you have a lot of pressure to fire to hire someone really fast um and and you don't have like you said you've never done it so there's no process behind it so it's kind of just almost shooting blank um right. so you kind of have to just I guess go for it and see how it goes and then after that first one if you notice that something didn't go as well as you planned then that's when you start making changes and tweak the process totally. um, how what was the hardest part about hiring? You know, there's a whole other side to it, which is, you know, we, when you talk about hiring, everyone talks about the process, right? I want to put my word out in these channels and I want to do an interview a certain way and do maybe a test project and things like that. But the part that's arguably more complex and more important is like, okay, I made a decision. Now what, you know, that's the hardest part is like I hire you to come on and do awesome marketing for us. And like you show up and you're like, all right, dude, I'm here. And I'm like, uh, so how about that first day? You know? And like, yeah. And so that like snuck up on us because there's so many things, especially for us, because we're a very like specialized product within a vertical. Like we go deep inside a single vertical space right now. And like, that's our core differentiator. So if I hire someone that has never owned a gym before in a customer facing role, we've got to teach them, how gyms work. We got to teach them how our software works. We had to, even before that, teach them about our culture and our values and like the ethos we run the company around. Like mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and we spent a lot of time, uh, we made three hires in January and we spent a lot of time before we did that trying to figure out what that process would look like and shooting training videos because we're fully remote. Um, so like a lot of the training video is video based and just trying to get all that stuff set up. And I still feel like we're about 11% of the way where I'd like it to yeah. be. But, uh, but like, that's the whole side of it that I think sneaks up even more. Like, you know, you have to run a hiring process and do interviews, but I think it's easy to forget that like the phrase, like hitting the ground running, that's not a thing. Like that yeah. doesn't exist. If it's an emergency when you're hiring someone, you're screwed because yeah. you can be a month before they're making meaningful contributions, you know? Yeah. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And as far as, you know, really understanding how everything works like once you have a team in place yeah. how do you how do you, how i guess what do you do to to make sure that everything is you know running smoothly definitely um so we do a few things um so we do a um we start i guess annually it's a bit easiest way to explain it. so like we start annually we do two retreats a year um we just did our uh yearly setup for 2019 in boston uh in january and so like there we'll set out the first one will set out the annual initiatives the mid-year is kind of like a, a checkpoint to see how things are going from a very high level 
And then we'll set basically three to four quarterly initiatives um, that, you know, a little bit smaller in scope. We assign them a specific owner. Um, and then what we do is we have a meeting that we call the weekly sync. So um, I learned that from one of my mentors name is Dan Martell. Uh, he runs a program called SAS Academy, um, which has been really transformative for us to go through that um, that program. And so that's his framework where we run this meeting called the weekly sync. And again, you'll like, you'll hear the word come up again, transparency, like everything about the business is common knowledge for everybody that works at Uplunch. So everything from like, we literally go through, it starts off with the weekly wins. We talk about company wins, team wins, customer wins, you know, um, great things that are happening for our customers. We go through, we call the Uplunch scorecard, which is basically six key metrics. So like Anyone on my team can tell you what our churn was last month. Anyone on my team knows what our current MRR is um, and why we care about that stuff. Because yeah. um, that's part of the initial training is like, you got to be able to, to have a clue about what the metrics mean and how your work impacts mm -hmm. them. Yeah. You know, and then we run through the, you know, weekly updates on the four quarterly initiatives and then do any additional updates, you know, release notes, platform updates, whatever. So that's kind of the cadence that we do to make sure that uh, everyone's kind of in the loop. We don't, do daily standups, uh, yeah. which is kind of an anti-pattern, um, but we're just, we're spread across time zones and, you know, kids and families and all sorts of stuff. So we just kind of do that as needed um, as of now. That's awesome. And now we're getting kind of closer to, to the time, but essentially, sure. um, what is, do, do you like to read? I love to read. <laughs> what is, <laughs> I, I don't know why I didn't even notice that. Um, <laughs> what is, <laughs> What is one of the one of your favorite books as a business owner that you think people could get a lot of value out of? Totally. I'll give you a couple. Hold that thought. So here's a couple. Um, Never Lose a Customer Again, Joey Coleman. Um, awesome, awesome read. Talks a lot about how long it generally takes a new customer of a product or service to fully adopt it and make it a part of their habit. We actually based a lot of our strategy that we deploy for gyms around um, the content that Joey put in that book, um, which has been interesting. So like we actually have a program called the 100 Day Journey for new gym members because it generally takes around 100 days for someone to fully adopt that. Um, so that one's interesting. One of them that I don't have at arm's length, um, but I would love to mention is it doesn't have to be crazy at work is the title by Jason Freed and DHH from Basecamp. Yeah. We did a really cool exercise on that at our annual retreat. It's basically like a collection of their blog posts um, about like work culture and how to squash like the, you know, hustle yeah. BS life and whatever. Um, and so like I align with almost everything in that book. And so I read it, it was an easy read, but it was like impactful little blog posts. I'm like, all right, so I got a copy for everyone on the team. And I said, look, we're into this culture exercise. Pick out of this book, three things that you think we do well, three things that you think are important that we suck at. And one thing that you absolutely positively don't agree with. And that we use that as like a catalyst for a culture awesome. discussion. So that was cool. Uh, I love mo almost everything they put out about like just their general viewpoint um, is super cool. And then what I'm getting into right now um, is stuff to see on the camera. The Alter Ego by Todd Herman um, just came out. Um, and it's kind of neat. Like, I guess, you know, he's worked with a lot of like professional athletes and people who are, you know, high level um, in business, just about like how to like frame your mind when you have to like get into that zone and how it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a mental shift to, you know, I guess like 
like imposter syndrome is everywhere in, you know, entrepreneurs. I think we're all hard on ourselves. Yeah. And so, but there's times where like that'll cripple you. There's times where it helps to be vulnerable and, you know, but check yourself a little bit, but like, if you're in a critical negotiation or trying to make a good deal, and I've done this before, um, if you come at it without a assertive enough stance, uh, it doesn't work well <laughs> in the end, you know? And so I think that one's interesting just from a, like a mental shift on how to, how to harness that assertiveness when you need it. So um, those are a couple. Sweet, man. That's couple awesome. Mind. Yeah, for sure. I'll have to ask you more about the rest of those things back. Um, Let's do it, man. Anytime. <laughs> what are some, or actually, what are the top three um, SaaS companies that you kind of look up to as far as what they've been able to do and what they're doing? That's a great question. Um, so I'll tell you one, and this one's top of mind for me all the time. Uh, Bear Metrics, I love. Um, you know, I follow their founder, Josh. I actually just talked with their new um, head of growth um, the other day. I love them for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like their products. Like it helps us keep a pulse in our metrics, which is super cool. Um, <clears throat> but the like the transparency that they operate with there it is again um seeing a trend right um like but but what they the way that they operate is is really cool like they've got this open startups initiative where it's like a group of companies that will actually share their metrics you know they anonymize all the customer data of course but like just so you can see growth and mrr and churn from companies who might be a little bit more well established than you um and just like the overall kind of laid-back culture that you know, that they are able to exude with their content and branding, I think is super cool. Um, big fan of ConvertKit and um, everything Nathan puts out. Again, very transparent about financials. It's done a lot of good writing about um, profit sharing programs and how they run that at ConvertKit, which has been um, something cool. And then I know I mentioned it before, uh, but Basecamp I think is another good one. And it's interesting because, um, sorry, guys, if you're listening to this, but, um, you know, I didn't really, like I tried their product and really fall in love with it. It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and what we were doing, but it was the first company where I actually like felt bad canceling it because I really respected the people who made yeah. it like, it's weird. Cause it's, it's business. Like if the product doesn't work and go get one that works, like it shouldn't be a hard decision. I'm like sitting there I'm like, man, like I really want to like support these guys. Like I love these dudes. I love what they write. I love their content. Um, you know, uh, so I, but I think that's cool just because it's like, such an anti-pattern to all of the like Silicon Valley hype. Um, and also just like, we're going to build this thing and we're going to put profits first and we're going to build a sustainable business. And that's what we're going to do like it or don't, I don't care. And so I, I align very well with that because we're just doing our thing, you know? That's awesome, man. So. And lastly, do you have any sure. questions for me? Um, yeah. How'd I do? Yeah. Um, great. Yeah, it's uh, dude. I, I don't really know that I have any questions. I um, I'm just I'm I'm grateful. I love just being able to talk about, um, you know, up launch and the the journey we've been on, um, yeah. and I can. So I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity. I think the the biggest thing I, that I would just like to leave is like, if anyone's listening to this who's at a super early stage and you're not sure if you can pull it off or not, you can. Like that's the reality. Is you just have to be determined and except the fact that there's going to be 5,000 micro failures on the way and you feel like everything sucks and you're like, why the hell am I doing this? But you know, at the end of the day, like if you have something that you believe in and you can validate the value proposition with customers who are physically demonstrating they're willing to give you money, right. then like once you have that, the rest of it is just being perceptive enough to realize what you need to change and humble enough to 
actually accept the fact that you need to change something and yeah. from there you can, can rock it out. So yeah, that's, yeah, I feel like that's, what, that's one big thing in SAS is that there's always going to have to be, um, you know, the chances that you have to pivot and not small pivots, but big pivots also. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's, definitely. that's definitely good advice. So, uh, thank you, Matt, for being on here today. Of course, man. Thank you so much. And, uh, for anyone that's watching or listening, where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Twitter at Matt Verlack, it's M-A-T-T-V-E-R-L-A-Q-U-E, Matt at uplaunch.com. Uh, those are probably the two best ways. Awesome. And if you, like I said, if you're watching or listening and you're a SaaS founder, entrepreneur, make sure to join the SaaS Ad Lab group. And if you want to be on the podcast, just let me know and we'll get something set up. Uh, and I challenge every single one of you to go out and do something like Matt said. Uh, you, if you think you can do it or if you think you can't, um, the prob the probability is that you can do it. You just have to be able to put your head to it and, and want it that bad. Um, so just go out and do something. So thank you again so much for being on here today and uh, we'll speak soon. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. -bye.